Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Wayne Nelson of the Little River Band is our special guest today. Wayne, how are you? I'm doing great, Frank. It's good to talk to you. You just released an album in the summer of 2013. Let's start right off with that. Uh, tell us about the album. Um, uh, an Italian label called Frontiers Records uh, approached us for new material. Uh, they made it very clear up front they didn't want a, a rehash of hits or, or um, you know, any kind of repackaging or anything like that. They wanted, you know, brand new Little River Band material, which was uh, good timing for us. We were we were getting itchy to make a new record. Whether we've had label support or not over the last you know, almost 20 years, um, we've continued to make music, especially in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, new Blood in the Band has, has wanted to record, and, and, and it feels good to do that. It always it, it helps the live show for us to have new stuff or, or uh, you know, just be creative and, and, and stay in that mode. So we were anxious to do it. Um, we... We wrote for the record, and we put the word out on the street to Nashville writers that, that are friends and that we know that, um, that we were looking for material. So um, it was a long process to choose songs at this point in our career. After 38 years, we wanted to be very um, uh, you know, cautious that we didn't uh, you know, do something silly, number one. But number two, the record label was very uh, particular about the style they wanted and, and the, the era that they wanted us to... Um, uh, you know, to emulate, if you will, it, they, they wanted something that sounded like the vintage band from the '80s. So um, I just said to them, "Look, this this band covers so much ground. Let me listen to songs, and as I hear ones that I feel good about being the lead singer on, and and that fit the band for its 38th year. Wow! I'll keep sending them to you. You guys pick the ones that you feel right about, and." Um, so we came up with a you know a long list of twenty, narrowed it down to thirteen, and then finally ended up with these eleven. But um, it's a very strong vocal record. It's got lots of guitar harmonies, which you know those two things are you know vintage or or typical Little River Band sound, and and uh, uh, we ended up coming up with a beauty. We're here if you, in case you're just tuning in. We're here with Wayne Nelson, the frontman, the longtime frontman for the Little River Band, and. Uh, and that's a, a nice thing to be asked for new material. I know bands would kill for that. Usually a label to a veteran act or a vintage act would turn around and say, listen, you know, let's let's redo some of your old songs. Let's do Amy, uh, you know, for the 10th time, you know, whatever. But that's a nice feeling. How long did you have to look around to get that? Or did it come to you? Um, you mean the new material? No, I'm talking about the label itself, Frontiers. They they came right out of the blue. They they made us an offer that we hadn't been looking for and were quite surprised actually that they, you know, they approached us in that way. They, they just called our agency and said, put it, hook us up because we want, you know, we want, they're, they're expanding their label, you know, their state, their, their, their stable, if you will, of artists. And, um, uh, you know, we were on their list. So it was, it was a very easy choice. We were quite thrilled for the opportunity and, um, chomping at the bit, to be honest, to, to write and, um, uh, and and get ready for that process. It got here very hard because it ended up landing during our touring schedule, which is pretty heavy in the U.S. from May through September, October, and we ended up recording in June and July. So uh, it, we, we had a lot of logistics to work out, but as 
far as the opportunity was concerned, we were we were ready to go, and they 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 came knocking on the door. Well, that's nice. That's a nice feeling. You guys are a great band. You deserve it. Uh, you say you've been at it for thirty eight years. In that time, and you know, in that amount of time, I guess you you get to uh, make a lot of choices. At this point, how many shows a year do you enjoy playing? Um, we enjoy them all. <laughs> I meant the amount of shows. How many shows do you play a year? The um, the magic number is probably about ninety five. Hmm. Um, a few years ago, we, we we were up to one hundred and ten shows, and quite frankly, uh, that was pretty manic. Um, yeah. And we 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 didn't cut back because we wanted to. It happened to be two thousand seven. Well, two thousand eight. We all know what happened. Sure. Economy around the world. So that. Um, that dropped off to into the 70s immediately, and we've worked our way back up to where we're doing about 80, 85 shows a year. Another 10 would be absolutely perfect because it would mean we were probably working almost every weekend. Um, and uh, but that that would be the comfortable amount, somewhere between 90 and 100. And we're hoping that the new record, um, you know, uh, breaks a couple of markets for us that we haven't been back to for a long time, and we can we'll get back to that, you know between 90 and 100 shows. How much time do you spend overseas playing as a band? Right now, very little. Um, we've, you know, we have a following, but a following doesn't put together a tour. In order to go overseas, you got to have a promoter and, and a, you know, a, a, a well-put-together package of, of travel because it's so expensive. You don't just go overseas and hang out, you know, and wait for a gig. You got to, it's got to be well-defined. So, that hasn't happened for us for a long time. The, pro the primary touring is uh, U.S. and Canada. Wayne Nelson of the Little River Band is our guest. And uh, Wayne, in 38 years, you've seen just about everything, and you've seen a couple of generations of, of acts, and you know, both in the rock field and the country field come around. Uh, name some of the bands that you've played with over the years or some of the acts that you've played with over the years that uh, might surprise some of us. Well, I mean, I imagine the biggest surprise would be um, uh, this band paired with Cool and the Gang or Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah, um, that's happened a couple of times. It's uh, it, it's Little River Band and Earth, Wind and Fire doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound like a a, a normal package, but um, it worked great. I mean, the the, the, the crowd loved it. You, they got not only hits, but they got hits from two completely different genres. Um, so it was a, you know, it was a great event. Same with Cool and the Gang, um, uh, but we've we've also worked with, I mean, gosh, Rick Springfield, uh, Edgar Winter, yeah, um, you know, the ones that you you would you would expect, Firefall, Poco, uh, Pure Prairie League, um, you know, the Eagles, Heart, going back to uh, to the eighties, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Foreigner, uh, it, it, the. Any any package putting together bands of that era, you know, we've we've been involved with most of them. The only the only genre you would say we haven't really worked with at all is is would be like you know heavy metal or you know angry punk bands or something like that. Um, the one on my bucket list is still Steely Dan. I would love to work with those guys or or Elton or Billy or somebody like that. But um, uh, when it comes to bands, I think we've we've pretty much shared the stage with. With, with, with most that I can think of, Chicago, yeah, uh, it, it just keeps going. Yeah, it, honestly, it's it's been a really amazing career for you guys, and the fact that you're still out after 38 years. 
What was the longest hiatus the band had? I'm sure you guys had breaks for uh, for a while in 38 years. What was the longest time apart? Um, well, actually, well, the, the longest hiatus for me was in uh, between '96 and '99. Um, the, the, there were members of the band that didn't want to do new music, and we were, quite frankly, getting stale playing the same 12 or 13 songs every night. And I just said, I, it wasn't doing it for me. I, I didn't want to be there anymore. And uh, so I left for those two years, 96 to 98, three years, I guess. And then um, as things would go, the, the bass player that had been in the band during that time, he quit. Um, and there were all new guys all of a sudden. All of the, the older members who didn't want to do new material had left. So they called me up and said, do you want to come back? And um, that led to me being the lead singer since in, from 99 on. So, um, uh, you know, it was good, good timing and all of that. And, of course, leads us to, to the, the most current record. But um, I would say that's the longest time I've been away. The band's never really stopped playing or touring as people left. Um, other people just wanted to pick up the pick up the ball and keep going. So, other than that time, personally, that's that's uh, you know the band is we might not have had a big as big a profile in the U.S. We might have been touring in Australia while they lived there, but the band's always been busy and active for 38 years. Well, let's talk about Australia and let's talk about the the history of the band, if you don't mind. You can give us a history lesson on the Little River Band. Uh, the band was formed in Australia originally. Correct. Um, it was an assembly of uh, people from four other successful bands um, and management, which was uh, a, a bass player from, an, from a fifth band, um, saw the possibility of putting together um, three, you know, three good singers with the vision of um, going after airplay in America and Europe as a you know, vocal powerhouse um, modeled after the Hollies, the Eagles, um, you know, Bee Gees, you name it, whatever, whatever three-part, four-part vocal bands you can, you can think of. They wanted to be, uh, they wanted to be that from Australia. And so uh, that was in 1975. First record came out in 76. Um, uh, Band politics being what it was, uh, they immediately made a change. Two people were removed from the band, and two more came in. Um, and then, you know, Capitol Records caught on to the sound of the band and, uh, and and signed them up for I don't know four or five five albums after that. Um, and so, you know, album and chart success um, leading all the way through up to 79 that, then that bass player had quit and that's when I met them we were I was playing with Jim Messina the, the you know the, the bass player was a fill-in they knew they wanted somebody that could sing and so they asked me to join the band after a, a two-week tour so that got us to 19 got the band in 1980 um, I've been in since then other than that little break I talked about um, between probably the, the heyday of the band was between 77 and 82. Um, we were the first band ever to have a top 10 single six years in a row. And that was 
we didn't even know what was going on. That was an amazing statistic to us when it was finally pointed out because you think about Beatles, Stones, Eagles, Michael Jackson, I mean, you name it, Earth, Wind, and Fire, all of those great bands during that during that time period. And we were the first one to have six years in a row with a top ten. It was, it was quite shocking. Um, but right after that, again, band politics, um, uh, lead guitarist was fired. He was a songwriter. Lead singer was fired. He was a songwriter. Next year, another songwriter left. And the following year, the drummer left. And so within three years of me joining the band, there was a, almost a complete change of personnel. It was just me and one other of the founding members were, were left in the band. Um, so there's been quite a, quite a turnover of personnel. Uh, then we, we, in 82, we picked up a great lead singer named John Farnham. We did one, two, three, four more records with him. Um, never ever got back to the success because Capitol Records was, they never ever got on board again after, you know, all, all that changes of lineup. Um, and like I say, we've just kept going. And whenever somebody left, the people that were still there believed in the band. And, uh, we kept making records. Uh, we kept touring and, uh, kind of, fell back to being a vintage, you know, band uh, in the 90s, um, kind of a resurgence from 2000 onwards with new music and, and continuing to tour, and brought us to 2013 where, you know, now we've got a, you know, 40,000 likes on Facebook and we're selling records again in Europe and, um, you know, one step at a time, we've kind of rebuilt the, rebuilt the foundation of the band, so we're we're looking forward now to 2015, which will be our 40th anniversary, which nobody thought that could happen with all of that change of people and so on and so forth. And it's just been pretty, pretty amazing. In that time, I'm sure you've played the, the smallest clubs and the largest arenas. Uh, can you can you describe the difference? And I, I obviously it's energy, I'm sure. But what's the difference in actually doing the same exact set in front of, let's say, a small club? Uh, compared to, uh, you know, 20,000 people. What's the difference just right off the top of your head? Both are challenges. Um, when you're playing in front of a large crowd, anything from, you know, literally, you know, five or 6,000 up, you feel, I won't say everybody, I've seen bands stand there, in front of 20,000 people and look like they were painted onto the stage. Right. Yeah. Um, but we feel, and I feel, as, as the, the front person, that reaching all of them is part of the job. Um, there are people right in front that you could, you know, you could focus on for the whole show, but you would be neglecting the vast majority of the people that are there. So there's a... There's a split job, if you will. You gotta you gotta present the show to the people down front, and that's where you're really feeling the connection. But if you can feel that you're reaching people that are, you know, 50, 80, 100 rows back or 100 yards away from you, a football field away, then you're doing the job on two levels. the The interesting part, though, is that. You know that in some ways, somewhere or other, you're you're almost anonymous to them. They're they're hearing you, and they can see that you're up there, but you're really not connecting with um, uh, 
personality. You're you're connecting with the music, and you got to make sure that it's good and tight and sounds good and so on and so forth. Um, with a small club, and most people think it's a step down. They go, "Why are you playing in such a small place?" and you should be over there, and so on and so forth. And it's it is what it is in in, in this day and age. I mean, we, you know, we played small places before, back in the day when we were doing arenas. But the challenge there, or the the the, the joy there, and the fun there is, it's not a matter of it being a small crowd. It's a matter of, regardless of the number of people, you're still there to do the job, which is to connect them to the music and to get them into it somehow or other. Most most things. Most times a small crowd is more inhibited on their own than a big crowd. Big crowds, you know, you, there's always people moving around and doing stuff, so you get caught up in it. A small crowd, if they're intimidated because they're up too close, you, you can actually see them kind of seize up, but they don't want to do anything or they don't want to, because everybody can see you and everybody knows it. And you're almost in the light on the stage. We do play places where people are actually literally leaning on the stage right at our feet. Hmm. So the, the, the interesting thing there is, there's never a moment that you're not, quote-unquote, performing. Like, on a large stage, a lot of times, I'll move back, the guitar players move forward, and then we're in the back row, and we're enjoying the music and so on and so forth. But the show is happening up front. But when you're in a small club, you instantly realize that people might be looking up at the guitar players, and they're digging it, but there's five other people looking past them going, what's going on in the back row? Look what's happening between the drummer and the bass player or keyboard player, is there still energy going on? You're always performing. It's similar to being in the round. If you're performing in the round, which I absolutely love, because there are so many cool things that happen in a band that don't get seen or don't get appreciated because they're in the back row and you're watching a guitar solo. It, when you're in the round, you turn around and there's still half the crowd is still looking at you, and so the show goes on 360. And it, it, you know, you know, it's constant. So it's, it's really cool. And I actually enjoy that every bit as much as playing for large crowds. Large crowds, you know, you're hitting a lot of people and you're making a big impact. But on, in a small crowd, you really know when the energy transfers and those people are crying, laughing, uh, checking you out, whatever. It's, it's a completely different experience, but it's very intimate. It's, it's, it's always, you know, there's always good things about a show, even if people are, you know, in a VIP area in 105 degree heat and they can barely move. You gotta find a way to, to, you gotta find a way to get to them and, 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 and let them enjoy it. Wayne Nelson of the Little River Band is our special guest today. Wayne, when was the last time the band played Australia? Uh, 1995. Wow. In our, tw in our 20th anniversary, um, we were there to rehearse for the big tour which was in America and uh, some in Europe. Uh, but we rehearsed and we did um, we did a corporate show down there in, in an arena, actually. It was a very large corporation. They had about 10,000 people. And I uh, had requested that we do their show before we left and came overseas. So um, that was a lot of fun and uh, kind of a... It wasn't playing for the general public. The whole corporation knew we were going to play. They were into it, right. like the band, et cetera, et cetera. But to be honest, the band has never been as popular uh, in, the, in the kind of percentages that you would think in Australia as it has been in America. Um, Australia has always been a 
a, a country with a much harder edge of music, um, more ACDC and Midnight Oil and, you know, tougher sounding bands. Um, Little River Band, although we they're proud of the band and proud of its history and its accomplishments, it's never been the big public draw that you would um, have assumed uh, from coming down there. Now, after 20 years, I don't know. That might that might be a different story. But to get there and play and, and again, put a tour together that was viable has been a challenge for, for years and years. And, um, uh, you know, we who knows what the future holds, but um, it's been almost 20 years since we played. A lot of bands uh, find, it, uh, find it challenging to go back to Australia. Even, you know, I've heard uh, things from the guys in Air Supply, right? I mean, you figure they're... Uh, they're they're certainly much more popular here than there, but of course they've got their they've got a great market there. But the the thing about Australia that that people uh, you know should take into account is is the the population difference. I think a, a gold record, at least it used to be this way, a gold record in Australia was something like five thousand units. If you sold five thousand units, you get a gold record in Australia. You know, and at the same time here in America, it was 500,000 records. So, I mean, the, the population difference is just tremendous. Um, did you, yeah. it, it's changed a little bit. Those numbers have gone up a little bit from, from a long time ago. But the, the best way to picture it is in all of Australia, there are less people than there are in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, that's amazing. That just, that is, that's the image. I mean, you, you're basically touring to the population of L.A., only you're covering the same area as the U.S. Um, so you're right. They, they, don't have, they don't have bus tours, per se, like we do, covering four or 500 miles a night to play in the next show or play in the next town. It's just not viable to do that because parts of the country are, it doesn't make any sense to do it. You, you, you fly it instead. Um, not that they don't have buses. They have coaches, of course, and you can you know, sit upright, but the tour bus thing doesn't happen down there. So you either take the train or you drive or get driven, and it's it's just a harder prospect. And it's darn expensive to get, you know, 10 or 12 people all the way to Australia just to start. You start $30,000 in the hole with airfares before you even begin the tour. So there's a lot of there's a lot of finances to make up by going that far, and it's just um, it's one of those things. If we were as popular there as we are even in New Zealand or, or in America or somewhere else, it, it would be a viable thing. But, um, again, new record, new blood, new, you know, 40th anniversary, it's possible, but it's been a long time. Wayne Nelson of Little, Little River Band is our special guest today. And, uh, Wayne, what are you listening to now? Are you listening to a lot of country, or what do you listen to? I still listen to, to good vocal pop bands like Maroon 5 or Train. Uh, I do appreciate when I hear them good vocals, whether they come from, you know, wherever they come from. Um, there's a couple of country acts that are doing really good stuff, like Little Big Town. Um, Diamond Rio and uh, Lone Star are still playing. I, I, you know, I like to go see them live because they're still doing it the way I think it's, it should be done with, you know, guys singing together and creating that blend and creating that power there's there's no computer that can fake that that's 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 um you know good solid uh performing and, and i and i love watching it i still uh in terms of vintage things you know earth wind and fire is still my go-to band um i, I 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not listening to a lot of, you know, new stuff. It just doesn't get me at all. I actually really like some of the performance and the contest uh, shows like The Voice or, um, you know, X Factor things, uh, America's Got Talent. You, you, you see talent, raw talent there that's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm not really a fan of manufactured talent. Uh, it doesn't interest me. Just heard on NPR yesterday. There's a there was a homeless veteran in Chicago who made a record on a karaoke machine and, and put it out there and uh, uh, he gave it away, left it on bus benches and, and so on and so forth. And people caught on to it and he actually got a record deal and put out a new record and he sounds a lot like Sam Moore or uh, uh, Otis Redding. Wow. Uh, just you know raw R and B stuff like that. That is that's fantastic to me. Um, oddities like that, but um, in general, going out and buying uh, CDs and pop music and stuff, it doesn't it, it doesn't do it for me right now. So uh, I'm not much to gauge new music by. I got to say, what was the turning point in the Little River Band's career? Well, there are probably many, but the one that I was involved in the most. Um, I, I guess other people in the band would think otherwise, but. I think the major turning point in the band would have been uh, the CD called Time Exposure that we made in 81. It was monumental for me because it was my first recording experience with the band, and I had never sung lead on anything before. And I did, again, going back to the band politics, I didn't know and I didn't realize till much later that I had been picked for more reason than just to be one of the guys singing the vocals and whatever. Um, there was a major songwriter in the band uh, was not happy with the lead vocalist and the way he was interpreting the songs. They didn't get along personally. They didn't particularly get along, certainly didn't get along musically. And um, there was there was a, a tension within the band from, from a lot of angles. And so he was the major force in having me join the band because he wanted me to sing his songs or at least sing some of his songs. And so one of the first ones, and the the obvious candidate for being a first single and so on and so forth, was Night Owls. And so for me, Turning Point was to be recording a CD with Little River Band, produced by George Martin. Uh, the George Martin? Uh, the Beatles' George Martin? George Martin is producer of the Beatles. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's nice. Beatles, Cheat Trick, America, um, lots of... Lots of varied success, but but most well known for for his work with the Beatles. Um, so that was that was big for all of us, and we were there with this focus that this was going to be the big one. Okay, this was the one that was going to follow up of two other platinum records. This was going to be the big one, and um, of course there was another economic downturn at that point. So the, it, it never reached that plateau that we all thought was a natural progression. Six years in a row with the top ten single, George Martin producing, here comes the next record, and the bottom fell out of the economy in late 1980, early 81. But regardless of that, what was going on on the island while we were recording the song was all of this tension came to a head because now there's another guy to sing lead vocals. And so the whole, the ground was unsure now. We were on shaky ground with regard to who's going to do what. There's all this, there's all actually kind of competition who's going to sing lead vocal on two of these songs that everybody kind of figured was singles. 
And one of those songs was Take It Easy On Me, which was turned out to be the second single for the band. And I felt very strongly about that record. Uh, you know, I suggested the arrangement where the piano and vocal started. Uh, then we snuck in for the chorus, and bang, the whole band was in for the second verse. And out we go. And so George Martin comes on the talk back and says, that's the arrangement. That's the way we're doing it. Let's go. So all of those things were monumental for me as the new guy in the band, um, to be making suggestions and be part of this momentum. And immediately when we came out of the studio, having done that, uh, again, first of all, the guitar player was fired immediately after the record because he was a pain in the ass the whole way. <laughs> yeah. uh, caused a lot of friction. Um, actually made George Martin angry, which was very, very hard to do if you know his history. He's a He's been knighted. He is a sir. He's a Sir George Martin in in, in UK. Um, so we were all shocked that David Briggs would would confront him and get in his face about this is the way it should be and and be such a jerk. So he went. Well, the the impetus of me singing and whatever led the singer the next year to say, I need some time off. I want to take that hiatus that you were talking about. And all of us were going, No, we need to keep going. We just got done with six years in a row of top ten, we need to make the next record. We're, you know, you got to follow this up. And he said no, and everybody went, I didn't have a vote yet, but everybody else went, you're gone. And I thought that was just stupid that we were reaching that point. But that was the tipping point. Um, we made the record. We lost one songwriter. The next year we lost the next songwriter. Then the next year we lost the next songwriter. And then that fourth year, I'm looking around in a completely different direction. Capitol Records wasn't thrilled with all of that. Um, so all of those factors, you could just see that we went from, you know, selling, making a gold record, which should have been a platinum record with, with time exposure. Um, our next effort sold uh, 50,000. Our, rec our record after that sold, I don't even know. And um, the, uh, the, the scales were tipped and, the, you know, the, the, the curve of the band was, was headed downward. And by the end of the next four years, that lead singer left. And the original one came back for another attempt with Irving Azoff. That didn't work. Irving even sold the record label before we could get a record out. So you can just see that the, the, the curve of the band was, was going up. And we hit 1981 with time exposure, and it just exploded on itself, and we headed back down. So to me, that was, uh, I, you know, it's pretty obvious, regardless of who's, what personal issues you've got, when when we hit the studio in 1981, it was the beginning of the the beginning of the slide. We're with Wayne Nelson and the Little River Band, and you, you mentioned a couple of giants in there. Uh, first of all, George Martin, which is uh, amazing that that's the first album you worked on, and and that's your producer. That's the guy you're looking across the glass at, and Irving Azoff. Uh, let's let's talk if if you don't mind a little about Irving Azoff. What was your your relationship with him personally? Well, it was very anonymous. Um, he, um, we had worked with the Eagles. He was there. Um, there was a mutual respect. And uh, to the tune of this, uh, you know, the Eagles are, they were, uh, it was 1980, actually just before they broke up. We worked with them in the, in the, the uh, summer of that year. They were, um, you know, they were the gold standard uh, for us. Uh, you know, we were constantly compared to them. And so on and so forth, and they were, you know, at the what everybody thought was the end of that incredible career. We didn't know it at the time, but of course they broke up right after that. So, um, but 
their their whole set was filled with number one songs. And um, as a matter of fact, one of my favorites, they didn't even do it. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it just didn't fit their mood at the moment. And they were whatever. So we were we were like, you know, school kids. We would sneak over to, when we were done with our set, we would sneak over to their dressing room. And we would stand outside in the hallway listening to them do their vocal warm-up. Mm. Uh, you know, they warm up, warmed up with Seven Bridges Road, which was classic, and we were like, wow, check it out. They're, we're, we're standing here in the hallway listening to them sing in the dressing room live. It was very cool. Well, later on, we found out that they were sneaking to our dressing room and listening to us warm up before we played. We had no idea of that. Um, so there was a mutual respect for them. Glenn Fry even came down and worked with us uh, in 88. He, he was uh, an honorary band member, if you will. We played his songs. He played with us on ours, and we melded the set together um, for Expo 88 down in Brisbane. So a little bit of cross paths there. And Irving was always there, but management might have been talking, but Irving was back in a room somewhere counting the dollars. And so we never met. And when the word got out that we were out of our record label with Capital, our, our deal with Capital in 87, Irving said, love the band, love what you want to do, but here's the deal. you got to get the original singer back in the band. He knew that John Farnham had quit, and so we were without a lead singer, so to speak. Um, and Irving said, I'll sign the band if you get if you get Shorek back. And so we did, and we were together for another few years that way. But, again, part of that story was that Irving got us, signed us, put that thing back together, and we started working on a new record for his label. And uh, right after... We did that. He left the label and went to form his own label, and, and suddenly we were on MCA for two records, and the president of MCA uh, looked at what we were doing and went, I, this isn't what I want to do. I want to cut new ground. I don't want to go backwards to a band that was popular, you know, uh, eight, ten years ago. So there was no air in that balloon, and, uh, you know, so we just kind of treaded water while we were fulfilling those two records for MCA. Um, I wish I could say we knew it was better than that, but, but it was a very much a business thing, and he was assembling the band again, if you will, uh, and we never even got to the point where he was there to hear the first product. He was gone already. The Little River Band is the name of the band, and Wayne Nelson has been our guest. Wayne, where could people follow the band? Uh, can you give her a web address or a Twitter? Absolutely. All of the above. The Twitter tag is at LRB News. Somebody then, we don't know who yet, but somebody is squatting on the name Little River Band, and oh. we have to get it back from them. But we're in the process of doing that. Um, Facebook is uh, Facebook slash Little River Band. That one's easy. Um, the website is also very easy, littleriverband.com, all one word, all strung together. In all of those places, you can see references to the new record, the history, fan base, et cetera, et cetera. It's very active. One of the things we do at the show, I take pictures of the crowd at the end of the show. And so we post them on Facebook so people can actually go there and see themselves having a good time. You know, you can find a picture of us anywhere. They don't get to see a picture of them right. assembled. There could be, you know, parties of eight or ten going there to celebrate stuff or friends or whatever. It's, it's just a lot of fun. People really enjoy going in and checking in. So... There's a very interactive thing going on at Facebook. If you go to YouTube and you just search for Little River Band or uh, The Lost and the Lonely, which is our first single, and there's a, there's a video clip at, at YouTube. Um, so that's another way to find us, too. There's There are so many clips 
live, old, uh, recorded, whatever, of Little River Band on YouTube. It's a walk through time. They're uh, a little library of stuff, including a lot of lo stuff current that people just post on their pages after they've been at a show with their cell phones. So it's, um, you, you can, you, we're pretty easy to find. The band is moving towards their 40th anniversary, and Wayne Nelson of the Little River Band is our special guest today, and I'm thrilled to have him. All right, once again, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.